0: You're listening to the Desperation podcast with Pastor David Martin in the second week of our series you out your head. Yo 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 yo. There we go. I always get like like I feel like there's more music to be played. What's up DSM? Guess what this week is? Clearly, it's finals week, and the people who really love Jesus are here, or those who are already knowing they're going to flunk, they're showing up here tonight. So, you love Jesus, or if you're not going to pass, don't feel bad. I loved seventh grade so much I did it twice. So um, there you go. So don't follow Uncle Dave in that example, man. It's good to see you guys. Oh, is it going to be one of these kind of crowds tonight? Okay, all right. Lord, I'm going to preach either way, but they, yeah, they ain't giving me no love back. I love people who preach back to me, okay? Y'all know this, man. Don't make me like, do a refresher course on Pastor Dave. Last week we had Mo Isum. Did you enjoy her? If you're like, what what did you have, David? You had a Mo Isom. Yeah, it's this disease, and but I'm I'm doing so much better now. No, Mo Isom was our guest speaker. She was amazing. She talked about pornography and lust, and man, it was amazing. Like so many students last week were up here, man, just getting right with God, dude, and and really allowing the Lord to show them and take. Their first steps of freedom out of this bondage called pornography, man. And as someone who has struggled with pornography for eight years, and I stopped in 2012, I understand the guilt and the shame and the bondage that it creates in our lives, man. And so, listen, I'm not just up here. I think sometimes we look at pastors and preachers and we think we got it, they all got it all together, or they're the biggest hypocrites in the room. Um, I'm neither one of those. I'm just telling you, God has healed me, and He's continuing to make me look more like Jesus. And hopefully, that's what you get to experience tonight. I'm not that impressive, but Jesus is. Anybody with me on that? You're like, yeah, Dave, without Jesus, we would not be listening to you right now. So we started this new series called... Don't make me pull this car over, children. All right. One more time. We started this new series called what? All right, all right, all right. So here with it. here's the thing, man. Um, you out your hand. We're talking about stuff that happens up here. Everybody say up here. Okay, yeah, and we're looking at not the symptoms as much as we are looking at the actual illness itself. Last week we talked about more of the symptom, and it's, this is not a series on porn, it's just last week, man, it's such a dominating thing it's in this, within our culture, and di- by the way, you want to hear something even stranger than you could ever imagine? I did, I've done studies on this, and recently I came across a study that said, you want to know the fastest growing segment of people who are hooked on pornography? You want to know who they are? You would say it's like children. Yeah, it's happening there as well. The fastest growing segment of pornography consumers are senior citizens. Yeah. Grandma and grandpa. Grandpa. Yeah, you're like, okay, that's it. If I needed another reason, that right there, I'm never doing it again. That's really good. Thank you, Jesus. So last week we kind of addressed some symptoms that could dominate our minds and our hearts is my point. David, get on your notes. You're going to get fired. Great. But grandma and grandpa are getting weird, man. And you need to pray for them. They're getting weird. All right, I got to let it go. Say, Dave, let it go. But how many of you all know... Now, I'm not talking about grandma and grandpa. You're like, David would know. No, we're moving on. How many of y'all know that the symptom is not the problem? The illness is. Are we all on the same page? The symptom is only a symptom. Like if you go to the doctor and you go, doctor, I haven't been feeling normal. Something's kind of wrong with me and I don't know exactly what. He doesn't go, well, what's wrong with you? Tell me specifically the illness. You go, well, that's what I'm paying you for. I don't know. I don't feel right. What is he going to ask you? What types of symptoms have you been having because the symptoms are indicators of what is actually wrong with you. I think so often, though, guys, in church, I've heard so many sermons about the symptoms, we never get to the illness. So, And I loved what Mo Isom said last week when she said, listen, it's not about behavior modification. It's not about modifying your behavior. God hasn't called you to be good. He's called you to be godly. That means there has to be a spiritual transformation that takes place beyond your power and your ability. Good people could be good people, but man, that doesn't address the illness, right? And so the doctor will diagnose that illness based upon the symptoms you're suffering with. And I share that with you because I want you to understand you're not defined by your symptoms. There's something underneath that the Lord wants to redeem and fix. Or he has already fixed it and you've forgotten it. There's people, I, I call it spiritual hypochondria. Okay? And what I mean by that is hypochondria is someone who's always fearful of getting, thinking they have the latest disease. And they go, oh, I have a, my pinky hurts. Oh my gosh, that means I've got pinkyitis and my, my pinky's going to fall off. Right? Some of you all know exactly what I'm talking about. Some of you all are hypochondriacs, right? Your ear hurts and you go, oh, I'm going to be deaf tomorrow. I know it. You see what I'm saying? But I think sometimes we're spiritual hypochondriacs where we go, oh, my gosh, I've done one little thing wrong. Oh, I'm going to hell. I know it. You just don't get it. You're, you may be a spiritual hypochondriac. I've never shared that with anybody before. That's just been in my little private stash of notes in my phone. And I came across it the other day and it just came out. So it's from the Lord. So as we get into week number two of you out your head, we're going to pull the focus now way out. Okay. We're not going to be talking about porn tonight specifically. But I want to show you through God's word and through his spirit why you struggle, why you struggle with symptoms. We're going to talk about illnesses tonight. We're going to be talking about why you struggle with your identity, whatever shape and form that may be, why you struggle with lying, why you actually struggle with so much fear in your life, cheating, doubt, addiction, loneliness, by jumping into this passage in Ephesians that you're going to go, I have no idea how that ties into my situation tonight. But hang tight, I'm going somewhere. You see, in Ephesians 6.12, it says this. For we are not fighting against flesh and blood enemies, but against evil rulers and authorities in an unseen, everybody say unseen, unseen world. Against mighty powers in this dark world, against evil spirits in heavenly places. And tonight, we're going to talk about that as we talk about the fact that you out your head. Let's pray. Father, in the name of Jesus. God, I thank you for the worship tonight. I thank you that we're able to declare and remember your promises. I thank you, Lord, that you love every student in this room, whether they feel lovable or not. I also want to thank you, God, that you're the spirit of truth. And so, Father, in the name of Jesus, I pray that the violent, invasive, power of the Holy Spirit would begin to tear down the lies and the strongholds that are keeping these students from walking in liberty. I pray, Lord, in the name of Jesus, Father, I'm asking according to your word that you would testify to your work tonight. That you would testify to your word tonight. That, Lord, that you would take over. And I pray liberation, freedom, and truth over every single student in this room. Whether they believe in you or not, I pray, God, that the realization and the revelation of your love, your truth, and your freedom would rest upon every single head of every single student and adult in this room. For the glory of your name, Father, it's yours in Jesus' name. Amen. So, with the ideal of us battling against forces in unseen worlds fresh in our minds, I've got to tell you the story. As I was writing the sermon, I was, "This is you're gonna love this." So, true story, by the way. So, a friend of mine, his name's Sammy Lopez. Now, Sammy Lopez, he's such a he's such a friend of mine. But, dude, he's I'd ought to have him come here and speak sometime. He lives in San Antonio, but he's about this tall. And Sammy, he like speaks four hundred words a minute all of the time. This is Sammy. If you met him, and I'm going to bring him here, I'm going to have him speak here just so you see what I'm talking about. The, when you meet Sammy, he's like, oh, hey, bro, how you doing? It's good to see you. Hallelujah, man. It's good, so good to see you. If he was preaching, like, you wouldn't even know. You're like, is, is this English? I don't, he's like, oh, yeah, anyway, man. I didn't, man. So he, we're talking. He's like, bro, man, listen, dude, I was, I was at this camp, and I was preaching, and the last night, man, I gave an altar call and like 400 students came up and gave their lives to Christ. Bro, it was awesome. And I'm like, oh, this is going to be great. He's like, good, man, I'm glad that happened. Awesome job. Oh, no, 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 bro. Then he goes in to say, he's like, man, I went back to my hotel room, shut the door, got ready for bed, laid down, turned the lights off. I'm laying there and it's pitch black. He said, all of a sudden, he's said, uh, I looked off in the corner and I saw like this shadow. And he said, bro, as I laid there, I started getting vibed out. I felt like there was a dark presence in my room. He said, so dude, I like took the covers. He's like, because you know, nothing could get you when you got that sheet over you. (laughs) (laughs) You would love Sammy. So Sammy goes, bro, so I pulled that sheet up because nothing could get to you, right? He said, but dude, I'm, I'm beginning to pray. I feel this dark sense in the room. Is weirding me out. I was getting scared. He's like, dude, at any point, man, I don't know what that thing is in the corner, but I'm going to have to literally, I'm going to go eye to eye with a demon and fight him in this room. Something. I don't know what that is. He's like, bro, you're not going to believe this. That shadow started moving in my room. Go on. (laughs) Now I'm getting vibed out for him, aren't you? Isn't that the worst? He said, like, "It's pitch black in there." He said, like, "I'm scared, bro." And I begin to just declare Jesus' promises over me, over the room. I declare the blood of Jesus over this hotel room, over the phone, over the TV, everything. Right? <laughs> He's like, "Bro, I'm, I'm just like going for it." Like, you have no power. You have no authority. He said, "Bro, that shadow started moving. Like this." He's like, "I don't." He said, "Man, this went on for like three, four, five minutes." He said, dude, I, I, I was still under my sheet though. I didn't want to move. I didn't want to turn that light on at all, man. But I needed to turn it on. He's like, he's now this thing is moving like this. He's like, I declare in Jesus' name you have no power over there. <laughs> right? He said, and then he said, I mustered up enough strength to get my arm out just enough to turn on the lamp. He said, in the corner, I'd forgotten, I hung up my shirt on a, on a little hook and the and the air conditioning was moving it. He's like, bro, I got punked by the devil. Isn't that a great, Get yeah, out your head. That's the point. Sammy Lopez. The shirt was moving, guys. Why do I share that with you? Because I think sometimes when we read a verse like this, where well, we wrestle not against flesh and blood, but against things in an unseen world. There's this thing, the shadows, the shirts. And I'm not diminishing anything. Please hear me. But at the same time, the devil in order to win the devil in order to like take command of your life he doesn't need to scare you he really he he's not he won't scare you he's way smarter than that oh, no no the way that he defeats so many students and is defeating you tonight is through optical illusions. This is an exact picture. We come in and we, we think, oh, I'm going to war against the devil, right? Right? And and I understand, and there is warfare. Please hear me. And prayer absolutely tears down these things, binds things, moves things out, so God could. Yes, but I think we can get so focused on that one element. That he's over there going, yeah, pray your face off. I'm just lying to you over here and creating optical illusions for you. So you really don't know who God is. Or you misrepresent and don't see him as he really is. Or see yourself as you really are. Yeah, if I could just keep putting these optical illusions along your path, yeah, fine. Keep binding the darkness all day long. But he's slaying you over here. You know why? Because you had your head. But we're going to be talking about this tonight. You see... Optical illusions are so powerful, man. Here's a definition of an optical illusion. You ready? Something that deceives. Look at that. Everybody say deceives. It's misleading. It is deceptive by its nature. An optical illusion deceives by producing a false or what? Misleading sense of reality. Too many students... In this room, because Jesus has already told on you to me, he's saying there's too many students in in your youth ministry that are going to be coming tonight that I've brought into the room, and they're being misled by a false sense of reality. You're operating on a false premise. And I came across something recently that I'd never heard before, but back in World War II, and I know when an illustration starts like that, you go, oh. Time to use the bathroom. No, just listen to this. This is crazy. I did a little research for you guys because I'm a professional and I care. Okay? So there's this this unit in the Army in World War II called the Ghost Army. True. Check it out. The Ghost Army was known as a tactical deception unit for the United States. Okay? And so what happened is, is these men, the generals in the U.S. Army went, okay, we need to... We need to assemble some way for, for us to be able to deceive the enemy. In this case, it was the Nazis. And they're like, we have to deceive them. What are some ways in which we can deceive them and mislead them and create optical illusions so that they think something is going on that really isn't happening so we can win this war? So they decided to come up with this thing called the ghost army. And so what they did is they went to like advertising firms and they went to artists and painters. They went to universities where their people were learning graphic, how to paint and create graphics and these types of things. Creative people. They basically recruited people that wouldn't know how to hold the right end of a gun. Okay. They know how to hold a paintbrush, but that's about it. So they got all these really artistic dudes together and they're like, you're going to be called the ghost army. And here's what we're going to do. We want you to deceive the enemy. So we want you to use your creative power to be able to create an illusion so that our enemy is afraid of us so that we can take over more territory against the Nazis. They're like, great, totally. So this is what they do. They, they decided, hey, why don't we create a fake battlefield? So what they did is they got these big inflatable things made in the shapes of tanks and they took like um, wood and cut out these wood cutouts of like jeeps and cannons and all the rest of the stuff and they just kept building and painting, building and painting, building and painting. So what they would do is they would set it all up and they would really poorly camouflage it and sure enough it worked. The Nazis would be flying over a whole battlefield and they were like Gosh, we're outnumbered. If we go anywhere near here, we're going to be obliterated. And they would go back and tell their generals and all the rest of this stuff. Because from this perspective, the optical illusion looked like there was a massive army that was going to completely obliterate them if they even got close. So they would turn around and leave. And the United States was able to, in part, win the war against the Nazis because these people knew how to, they are masters of deception. Now up close, it looked like it was a stage prop for an elementary school play, but from the air, it says we're outnumbered, we can't win this war, and they would turn away. There was one time in particular that there were some Nazi soldiers on feet and they were on, on foot and they were walking, and this ghost army, this you could tell that I would be in the ghost army, guys, okay, I would be that guy. I don't know the conversation, but basically what they did, four dudes who were in the ghost army who had painted these tanks and all the rest of the stuff, they're like, we're going to jack with these guys. Look at the picture. That's a fake tank. And so the Nazis were walking by and they're like, dude, pick up the tank. And they're picking it up like a kitchen table, 60-ton Sherman tank, right? They're like, hi, you having a good day? It said the Nazis, the soldiers, like, turn around and ran the opposite direction. They were totally, they thought they were losing their mind. No, they're not incredible superheroes. They're lifting up an inflatable thing that weighed maybe five pounds. Isn't that, like, the most awesome picture ever? Why do I share this story with you? Because what a brilliant way to fight a war. You don't have to fire the first bullet, Right? If you can deceive your enemy, you've gotten in their heads. You've won. Now, why do I share that with you? Because you can influence and you can be influenced to win or lose based upon what you see. You see, scripture says in Ephesians, it says, guys, you don't wrestle against flesh and blood, that's a ghost army. You and too many Christians are swinging in the dark and we're trying to beat these ghost armies. And we think that our issue is with one another. When there's drama in friendships, there's drama at the house, there's things, there's all these things going on. We think that the issue is these ghost armies. But the Bible says we don't wrestle, we don't fight, we don't go into battle against flesh and blood. The enemy loves it when there's division because we're putting all our energy against one another. He's like, y'all are stupider than you look. He's like, don't you understand? I'm winning this thing only because you don't understand how to fight. He is the master of illusion and deception. So the battle is not tonight against the jerks in your life, the haters on social media, the bullies. The real battle is against a world you can't see. And the real enemy, according to scripture, has been using the same tactics since the beginning of time. You go, really? Yeah. You ever heard of this woman named Eve? In the garden. He didn't go up there and say, you must bow down to me. No. He goes, hey, far be it from me. I'm a snake. So what do I know? But I think God's holding out on you because there's a tree over there. And it seems like he's a little bit threatened by the idea that if you read from that, you'll have as much knowledge as him. Who am I? Do you realize that's all he did? And she goes, huh, in this moment, she no longer saw God as the source of her life, the completion of a beautiful relationship. In a moment, because her mind was not guarded, the battlefield was here. And the battle that day was lost. Because she stopped seeing God as good. And she started seeing God as holding out, withholding the good stuff. And doesn't he do the same with us? Oh, like why, why, what do you mean sex before marriage? It's 2018, man. God God doesn't want you to have a good time. That's what it boils down to. He just wants to control your life. Yeah, he is holding out on me. Do you see how this tool works? He doesn't have to make any new tools. He's not creative. He's got like four really good tools. And generation after generation after generation, suckers born into this broken world, we just buy it hook, line, and sinker until by God's grace at some point, hopefully you have a hyper guy with a white ball cap to tell you there's another way about this. God loves you so much that he says it doesn't have to be this way. You're being deceived, many of you. She allowed her perception to be skewed. She failed to realize, and we don't realize ourselves, that when we're facing our battles, too often we think the battles are within our five senses. When in fact, that's our first mistake. Because 2 Corinthians 10.3 says we are human, but we don't wage war as humans do. Do you follow what I'm saying? But what are we supposed to do with that? Like I said a minute ago, just start swinging in the dark, hoping to hit a demon. No, we need to be reminded of who our enemy is, how he operates, and how to have victory over him in our lives. That way, you can walk in liberty and victory. Y'all with me tonight? Is this, is this a decent word? Okay. As I prayed through this sermon, and finished it up this afternoon, by the way, there's those in this room tonight, and you're in the battle of your life. You're in the battle of your life. There are those in here and you feel like you're a prisoner of war already. There are those in here, students who feel stuck behind some strongholds of sin or guilt in your life. There's others in here that feel like every time you walk into your house or school, you're walking into a battle zone and you feel outmatched. But let's go back to something. Ephesians 6.12, once again it says, but we're not fighting against flesh and blood enemies. But against evil rulers and authorities of an unseen world. Against mighty powers in this dark world and against evil spirits in the heavenly places. And so if our battle is not against flesh and blood, okay, but it's against an unseen world, where does this battle take place? How many of you all would like to know? Where does this battle really take place? So if we're feeling extra spiritual one day, we could walk into it and go, bring it on. Or at least know how to avoid the battle if we can I mean, if we're gonna fight, we might as well show up to the right battlefield, wouldn't you agree? You don't have to go far because most of the battles that you face in your life is sitting in your seat right above your shoulders. The battle is right there. The battle is fought in our minds. And here's why I say that. You see, Romans 12 two says, Don't copy the behavior and the customs of this world, but let God transform you into a new person by what? What does that say? Oh, come on. we got to keep up on the slides. What's that? You're darn right. Here's here's my version of it. You want to hear this? But let God transform you into a new person by changing the way that you think. What? Not how you behave? Let God transform you into a new creation by changing the way that you behave. How many sermons have you heard about your behavior? Stop acting ugly, do this, stop doing that. And that's fine. But I think it's such a lame thing to do. I don't think it's good stewardship of the word of God. Because scripture isn't talking about your behavior. It's saying stop acting like the world. But in the way to do that is you, the first step is change the way that you think. Everybody say think. And then scripture says that once that happens, you will learn and you will know God's will for your life, which is good. It's pleasing. It's perfect. How many of y'all would love to know what God's will is for your life? To look behind the curtain and see where he wants to take you. Anybody in here? Just just myself and a handful, right? I want to know where God's leading me. I want to know what he wants to do with me. Scripture says he will tell you, but you got to change the way that you think first. You see, the behavior of this world is hostile, right? It's hostile. Behavior of this world is full of conflict and pain and rejection, overpowering others. Some of you are victims of that. Winning at all costs, regardless of who gets hurt along the way. But your behavioral problems with pornography, underage, drinking, speeding, or talking back to your parents aren't the real issue in your life. Now, there's parents in here and also parents that listen to this podcast, and they're sitting there oh, Oh, yes, it is the problem, right? I understand that. But let me explain what I mean. What if I told you that God is not as interested in your behavior modification as he is wanting to change the way that you think? You see, if you change the way that you think, your behavior, guys, will follow. That's why when I sit down with a student and they say they're struggling with pornography or they're struggling with this or they're struggling with that, I'm always telling them, don't, that's not the problem. They're like, what are you talking about? I'm like, "Uh, it's just not. It's not what you think it is. It's a smokescreen. It's a decoy. It's an optical illusion to lead you to think that if you just got that one issue of cutting out of your life, you would be a perfect person. If you just stopped having that lustful thought and that acting out or whatever, those, then you'd be fine. No. Who's in the driver's seat when we think like that? It's you. There is a Savior and you're not him. He doesn't need you to try to be good. You can't. The Bible says there's no one righteous, not even one of us in here. So behavior modification is not the key to life. Changing the way that you think is the first step to into understanding who God is and who you really are, and how to overcome this battlefield and have victory on this battlefield that is in your mind." Recently, someone close to me came to me and said, "Hey, uh, hey, Dad, um, I <laughs> but it, it, this is Dave Jr. It was just a weird joke to be. Able. So Dave Jr. comes to me the other day. And he says, Dad, um, there's a check engine light on my car. And I said, okay, cool. Have you popped the hood open and checked the oil? Not yet. Okay, that's fine. Right? Have you checked it? Okay, we're good. Okay, great. So, (laughs) but I was like, have you checked the oil? Why? Because the check engine light can mean anything. So the sin in your life, your struggles, when that check engine light comes on, that's what that is. But it's you have got to open the hood at some point and actually see what is broken inside in order to diagnose the real issue. Change the way that you think. You see, this is what's got to be addressed because Philippians says, brothers and sisters, one final thing. Look what it says. Fix your thoughts. Fix your thoughts. In other words, glue your thoughts to these things. You ready? This is the way we're supposed to be thinking as Christ followers. Stuff that is true. Stuff that is honorable and right and pure and lovely and admirable. It, scripture's saying, think about those types of things that are excellent and worthy of praise. Notice it doesn't say behave in a true, right, pure, admirable way, does it? No, it says fix your thoughts. And some of you in here, you have got to fix your thoughts. Your thoughts, your thinking, your patterns on how you see yourself, how you see your world, and how you see God, your thoughts are broken. And man, the battlefield, dude, you're getting slayed day in and day out. Every time you try to pray, your thoughts are broken. Every time you look in the mirror, the thoughts about yourself are broken. Every time you're hanging out with that person and you're dying for their approval, your thoughts are broken. And every day you get in the cycle, is it any wonder why we struggle with depression? We live a life of brokenness. Our thoughts are broken. But God said, listen, man, if you start thinking the right way, you'll begin to live the right way. So to have victory in our lives, man, literally is to have victory over our thoughts. Why? Because we're broken, man. Our thinking process is jacked up. But you want to hear some good news now? DSM, you ready? Guys, it's this simple. If you don't listen to any of the rest of my sermon, listen to these two next things I'm going to share. I'd like it if you listen to all of it, though. If there is victory over our patterns of thought, there will be victory in our patterns of behavior. It's that simple. Is that on the screen behind me? Take a picture of that and tweet it out. Put it on Instagram. You seriously need to remember this. This is your steps to victories, guys. Seriously, this is your steps in having victory in your mind and your life. If there's victory over your patterns of thought, there will be victory in your pattern of behavior. Because here's the truth. Next slide. The reason why we don't act like Jesus followers is because we don't think like Jesus followers. You go, I want to I look like a Jesus follower, Dave. I want to live a life of purity and holiness and consecration. That's cool. But wanting and thinking... Do you see the difference? The desire is there, but the flesh is weak. I'm telling you, God is saying, listen, the reason why you don't act like a Christ follower when you leave this tent is because you have not fixed your thoughts. You don't think like a Jesus follower. Do you see how important this is starting to become now? And so if we allow the truth of God to take root in our minds, the truth about our identity in Christ, the truth about what Jesus did on the cross for us, if we allow God to change the way that we think about sin, our behavior will naturally follow suit. Because scripture says in Romans 12, 12, to finish this up, it says once we allow God to change the way that we think, then we'll know God's perfect and pleasing will for our lives. And you want to know what his perfect and pleasing will is for your life ultimately? is that you would know that he really loves you. That is his perfect and pleasing will. We think about doing, don't we? But Dave, I want to know if I'm going to be a doctor or an attorney. No. If you change the way that you think, it opens the door for him to show you how much you are dearly loved by him. Because if you know that you're loved by God, it really doesn't even matter what you do for a living anymore. doesn't matter if you have a degree hanging on the wall or not. I'm not telling you to drop out of school. I'm just simply saying that the things that give us an identity from our brokenness. If we go, whoa, my thoughts have been fixed. I'm no longer bound by the lies that I have to perform and I have to, have to do this in order to be loved and accepted and appreciated or respected. And I don't have to have this car or this experience. I don't. I don't have to have these things because all that I've ever wanted and the things that I'm really looking for, I have found. You see, do you know how dangerous that is to the enemy? He has no foothold in your mind anymore. And now you're liberated to walk in freedom. And you're no, And guess what? You're no longer bound by people's opinions. Like I love you guys. But if every last one of you hated me in here, I wouldn't like it. But I know who loves me. And as much as you love me, it's not going to match the love that I got from God. He digs me big time. Like so much that he shed his blood for me. That's what he's done for me. And he's so generous, he actually has enough blood to buy you and to heal you and to fix you and to show you the same love that I'm talking about. I wouldn't be standing up here talking about this stuff if it wasn't real in my life. But Jesus loves me and guess what? Jesus loves you. So let's go to battle tonight. You ready? Let's, Let's get this stuff taken care of. So the battle is fought in our minds. Our battle is fought in our minds. So wherever we go, the battle goes. The battle follows you when you get that text and email and you interpret the wrong tone. Man, I used to make fun of emojis. Now I understand the value of them. Because sometimes if you don't put a smiley face on the other end of that, I'm mad. You know what I'm talking about? You're like, who are you? You think I'm making that up. Like a week ago. About a week ago, y'all, I got a text from somebody and I just asked them a very simple question. And they responded back with no emoji, so I'm reading that tone. There was a period at the end of it and everything, and I'm like, someone about to be fired up in here. So someone on my staff. It wasn't Abe, if you could believe it. It was not Abe. I'm just kidding. He's listening to this probably. No, nah, he probably won't. Okay, this is cool. But here's my point. You see, the battle is in that text that you misinterpret, and then you get upset and you want to fight that person. You're like, I don't know who you think you are. Blah, 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 right? All the rest. Of the, okay. You see, the battle is down the hall when you hear that door slammed in anger. You see, the battle is not there. The battle is where your eyes want to look too long at that person who is showing too much. The battle, honestly, guys, for your mind is in that app that you've been feeding your mind with lies and it's defeating you. It's been leading you to think now that you can't beat that battle. Some of you got to delete that app right now. That's for someone in here. Because it's been completely wrecking your mind. And you don't think you can stop. Hold it down for a couple of seconds. It'll start jiggling. There's an X at the top. Hit that little X. You can do this. You see, your mind is in a battle tonight, DSM. And if there's a battle, before you can fight it, you got to know who your enemy is. So let's talk about the enemy. You ready for the enemy? Yeah, the enemy Satan. Shocker. It's a it's freaking devil. And he's saying, and Jesus is saying, this is what your enemy wants to do to you in this battlefield. You ready? Jesus is saying the thief's purpose is to steal, kill, and destroy you. He's a master of deception. If your, enemy, if your enemy's purpose, if you actually took this seriously. Have you ever watched Live PD before? Anybody watch that show? Raise your hand, let me just see. Okay, Live PD. Dude, if you want to see this played out on your television... Watch live PD. I think it's on A and E or something like that. Basically, it's just real live footage of about eight different police departments responding to calls. We're addicted. That's all we watch in our house now. But I can't. All these broken, sad people, dude. When the world and the enemy says this is what you need, you need to snort this, you need to smoke this, you need to do this, you need to drink that, you need to have this experience. I see every night on TV the effects of what the enemy's doing in these people's lives. They're being destroyed. Because the thief's purpose is to steal, kill, and destroy. And some of you, you don't believe that Jesus is telling the truth. You think you can manage this enemy. You think you've got some control over it through your self-righteous perspective or whatever it may be. And man, I'm telling you, the enemy loves to keep you right where you're at. Because he's like, oh, you just wait for the right moment and you're going down. So if your enemy's purpose is to steal, kill, and destroy, how does he do this? Lies. Everybody say lies. He's a Liar, deception, optical illusions. It may be an old weapon, but it works really well. Because scripture says, we're told in John 8, 44, Jesus said this about the devil, your enemy. So you can't blame Jesus when things go wrong, when you make dumb decisions because you're not thinking right. He's warning us how this enemy operates, and this is what he says about him. He says when the devil lies, he speaks his native language, for he is a liar and he's the father of lies. Not only is a big fat liar, he produces lies. He's the father, the offspring of lies. So on the battlefield, this deception is the weapon that he grabs the most. If I had a dollar for every single young lady that came up to me and and I had to minister to that says, every time I look in the mirror, I hate what I see. That's an effect of what I'm talking about. If I have a student, if I had a dollar seriously for every student who says, David, I've got to cut myself in order to feel better. You see, Satan uses the lies that our culture feeds us to skew our perception. The lies we hear and believe are if you don't fit the cultural mold, if you don't fit into what this mold says, you won't have what it takes to be successful or pretty or desirable. Optical illusion. You see, these lies the enemy brings to your mind in battle, students, are things like you're not good enough. You want me to say that one again? A lot of you struggle with that one. And I say this with all the grace and love. It hurts my heart that you would think that because I see your potential. You're not good enough. You're not lovable enough. You don't have enough. You're ugly. You're a loser. You're stupid. If people only knew the real you. You see, this is a weapon against your thoughts and your mind. To get you to see yourself as defeated. Nothing you can do about it. battle is lost. And you go, man, I could see I'm outnumbered in this army. I can't win against this, it must be true. There's a comedian who said, it's not a lie if you choose to believe it. And you know what? Some of you would look me in the eye and tell me why your lie is true. Like you would stake your life on some lies. You are so deceived that you would go toe to toe and say, I don't care what God says. I don't care what the Bible says. And David, I like you, but I don't care what you say either. You are wrong. Talk about the darkness of deception when you will defend a lie to the death, when someone who loves you, God, and your youth pastor or your parents say otherwise, you go, they're wrong. You're deceived. You see, how do we overcome the lies then? It's been a heavy sermon, right? Well, it's a heavy issue. Because you understand that the decisions that you're making for yourself and how you see yourself now. You're not going to see yourself better in 10 years if you see yourself in a poor light tonight. If you believe lies tonight, guys, it's only going to be that much more true and prophetically, it will happen. It's a self-fulfilling prophecy. So if you see yourself as a loser now, do you see yourself as successful 10 years from now? It doesn't work. You see, what you believe about what you see and how God sees you will de- determine and define what you ultimately become and how you will live this life. People who have these self-image self image issues and they go, man, there's no boy that's ever going to pay attention to me unless I do this and I send a text to me this way or whatever those things are. They're chasing those things. Do you think it's better 10 years from now? Or is there a lot of scars on that person's heart where they've been taken advantage, advantage of, they've been used. Guys in here. Man, you got a lot of pressure to perform, and you got to be successful, and you, you've got to match up to your uncle, and, and you got to be able to, and you, so you're, okay, but man, deep down inside, David, I'm an idiot, I'm not as smart as they are, and I'm not that good, and I'm this, and I'm that. Do you think in 10 years you're going to be the person you hope to be? Do you see how this works? So the seeds and the, and the battle that's taking place tonight in your life, students, are going to determine the way of you live and the outcome of your life. I want better for you. God wants better for you. So what we have to understand in order to have hope and turn this thing around and flip the script on what it is that we've been buying into through this deception of the enemy in our battlefield is the only way to fight and win is to know the one who already fought and won. Oh. Maybe you just need to see it. The only way to fight and win is to know the one who has already fought and won. And then underneath that, I said, Jesus is the way, the truth, and the life. John 14, 6. Take it up with Jesus. You see, to know the truth is to first know that the truth is not just a set of facts. You see, the truth is a person, and that person is Jesus. Jesus said in John eight thirty two, and you will know the truth, and the truth will set you what? Do we believe that Jesus is shooting straight with us in scripture or not? Let me I, I'm not asking rhetorically. Do you think Jesus was kind of missing it on some points? Or do we actually believe that Jesus was the son of God? He says, I don't say anything on my own accord. I only speak what the father says through me. So he's saying that God is saying this through me to you. And what Jesus says, he says, if you want to know the truth, know me. And then he goes on to say, And you will know the truth, and the truth will set you free. You're free. So if we have an issue of addiction in our lives, or or a pattern of broken thinking about how we see ourselves, it's not that you haven't been set free. You have just simply been unaware or have forgotten your true status. If you're free, guess what? Congratulations, you're free. You go, David, I don't feel free. It's because you've got to change the way that you think. You see, if Jesus actually conquered the power of sin in your life, when he said it is finished on the cross, was that true? Or was there a situation that you've gotten yourself involved with that requires him to go back to the cross to die for that one sin he forgot? When he said it's finished, he meant it. So, if you've put your faith in Jesus, guys, and you've believed that He has forgiven you of your sins, do you understand that your enemy that is trying to come back into your life on the battlefield of your mind to tell you these negative things that go contrary to God's word, you actually already have power and victory over all those things? So, when you say you're addicted, no, you're not. When you say you're in bondage, no, you're not. Because that's to undo the power of the cross in your life. Guess what? You don't get to make the rules up. Jesus says, I love you with an everlasting love. I've separated you as far as the east is from the west from your sins. You're, you're my son. You're my daughter. I love you. You have eternal life. The Father approves of you. If you hear anything else coming through your head, students, it's, it's an optical illusion. You're allowing the enemy to creep in and break your thinking. Jesus says, Fix your thoughts. Fix your thoughts because the truth will set you free. And if you know Jesus, who is personified, right? Who's the truth personified, when the enemy brings his big sack of lies, lies back into your world, this is where you're gonna have to begin to fight on this battlefield. Because I've explained the situation, I've explained who your enemy is, I've explained what Jesus says about your enemy. Now here's your part. Y'all ready? Y'all ready? You see, Second Corinthians 10.5 says that when these thoughts begin to come back into your mind, that you're not lovable, you're an addict, you're this, this is your identity, this is what you're about, you're ugly, you're stupid, you're a failure, you're a fake, whatever these things that start coming back into your life, that may even be being like trying really hard to get you na- even in this moment, this is your part. You just can't lay there and go, <laughs> well, no, I'm not. It's a good start. But let me tell you, you you can do a lot better than that. And I'm going to give you some weapons. Here we go. 2 Corinthians 10.5. Scripture says this about you, that this is what you can do. We can demolish arguments and every pretension that sets itself up against the knowledge of God. And so what we begin to do is scripture says that we take captive every thought and we make it obey Jesus. This side kind of got it. This side I'm wondering. We demolish arguments How many of you all have had arguments in your mind? You just have these hypothetical arguments like, oh, if that person ever said this to me, this is what I say back to them. And then you get mad, but it never really happened. You see, we have to demolish the arguments. There are friends in your life that are leading you astray. They are lying to you about God. They're lying to you about who you are. They're saying, they're speaking things over your life. They're speaking death over your life. And scripture is saying, listen, this is the battlefield. The enemy is using that bully online to write those ugly comments about you. That person, that friend who's always making fun of your appearance. You see, that's the enemy using them. We don't wrestle against the flesh and blood. You see, the enemy, because their thinking is broken, they're inserting their thinking, their broken thinking, into your life. And if you don't know the difference between a lie and the truth, you will buy the lie. So in this moment, you capture and you demolish those things. So when that girl says, girl, you look fat today, okay, you go, ooh, I do not wrestle against flesh and blood. And you need to be happy about that because I want to just smack your face off. But here's what I will do, I'm going to demolish that argument. And in all seriousness, you go off by yourself for a second, you go, that hurt, that hurt. That's that one insecure thing about me that I hate, that hurt. But I'm going to demolish this argument and every pretension that sets itself up from the knowledge of God. God wouldn't say that about me. He says that I'm fearfully and wonderfully made. So you counter that and what it says, you take captive. The idea of captivity is not to say, hey, welcome to my home, lay down, can I feed you something? No, captives are put in chains and handcuffs and put in the worst part of the prison. That's what you do to a captive. And then you take that thought, that wrong thought that you go, "Mm, this doesn't sound like something Jesus would say. And you make it captive and you make it obey God. So what you're saying to that that toxic thought that you've been saying to yourself and agreeing with, you go, you're captive and I'm going to make sure that you obey Jesus. Cry uncle. Cry uncle. And that thought has to be submitted to Jesus. And Jesus comes in and says, I have authority over that thought. That's not who you are. You're a beloved daughter. You're a beloved son of God. Do you see? But this is your part. Here's the, I, I wrote this down. And I think part of the reason why you don't do this, I'll just show you my notes again. Students aren't in God's word. You have no idea how to fight. You read that one meme that maybe I post on Instagram You go, mm, that's a good word. Oh, David posted Proverbs 13 too, right? That's my devotional for the day. No, you got to get into the word of God for yourself and see what God has to say about you because how can you counter a lie if you don't know the truth? You see, scripture says in 1 Peter 5, 8, it says, be careful, watch out for attacks from the devil, your great enemy. He prowls around like a roaring lion looking for some victim to devour. So I'm not trying to scare you, man. I'm just trying to shoot straight tonight. I know it's a heavy word, man, and I know it's finals week, and I know that you're like, dude, but please... This is for your freedom. So God says for us to put on the God's armor so that we would be able to stand firm against all the strategies and the tricks of the devil. So scripture is preparing us for this battle. But the scripture is not sending it, God isn't sending us out there with our underwear on. Going, okay, let's get this thing started. No, you got to suit up for battle. Therefore, everybody say therefore. therefore. Scripture says put on every piece of God's armor so that you will be able to resist the enemy in the time of evil. What's the time of evil? Right now when he's trying to penetrate your thoughts. Then, after the battle, guess what? Spoiler alert, you'll be standing firm. Stand your ground. Put on the belt of truth and the body armor of God's righteousness. The belt of what? What do belts do? They keep your britches up, right? Your pants. They keep you from being exposed. Belts, right? You need a belt. I got one on. You should too. But the belt of truth is so vital. God is saying one of the vital pieces of armor is you got to wear the belt of truth. You've got the helmet of salvation. You've got the sword of the spirit. But guys, you walk out and your pants fall down all the time, man. Because you're not prepared with the truth. Stay at your ground. You put on the belt of truth, the body armor of God's righteousness. For shoes, put on the peace that comes from the good news so that you will be fully prepared. In addition to all of these, hold up the shield of faith to stop the fiery arrows of the devil. Where's your faith? Are you putting your faith in the words of those who are speaking death over your life? Where's your faith? If you put your faith in what God says about who you are, it serves as a protective barrier from the haters in your life. In addition... Faith, put on salvation as your helmet and take the sword of the spirit, which is the word of God, and then pray in the spirit at all times and on every occasion. Stay alert and be persistent in your prayers for believers, for all believers everywhere. So we need to support one another. Stop tearing one another down and playing a party to the devil. Some of you, you talk bad about one another in here. Right? You're joining the enemy in this point, right? If it's not building someone up. You're part of that flesh and blood that Scripture's saying, I got to fight against now. Do you want to be on that side? But what happens when the body of Christ is unified? We know who we are. We know how loved we are. We're unstoppable. We're unstoppable. We're unstoppable if we think right. You see, the thing about this enemy as I close up and the band comes up. Check this out. Can I tell you a little secret about this enemy? It's really good news. That sucker has already been defeated. Yeah. Who said yes? Yes, yeah, yeah, yeah. All right. The three of us are still pumped about this, this new imp- information. The rest of everybody's like, He is? Yeah, he totally is. This enemy has already been defeated. And you go, Oh, that's so nice. So check it out. Like Colossians says, God canceled the record that contained the charges against us. So, yeah, at some point, you were a lawbreaker. At some point, yeah, you were not desirable. Yes, this is what your life looked like when you were, your thoughts weren't fixed. You weren't saved. But he took it. Jesus took it and destroyed it by nailing it to cross the cross of Christ. In this way, what God did is he's made this an unfair fight for the devil now. Because you have all the battle armor. You have the truth. You now have what you need to win on this battlefield. And guess what God has done? He's taken away every weapon that the enemy's got. It says, go out there and try to try to fight against my kid. Why? Because it says God disarmed the evil rulers and those authorities. I started out by talking about, we don't wrestle against flesh and blood, but against unseen powers, rulers, and authorities. Well, guess what? No weapon formed against you can prosper unless you allow it to. Because God has taken every weapon away from the enemy when he defeated the enemy on the cross. He defeated the power of sin in your life, the power of death, and the power of hell in your life. Those things have already been defeated. And it says in scripture that God took away the weapons from these evil rulers and authority, authorities. And look what he does. He shamed them publicly by his victory over them on the cross of Christ. So not only, do, not only did he defeat him, not only did God take the weapons out of the enemy's hands so he can't use them against you anymore if you're smart. But then he made a public spectacle and shamed that enemy. You don't think that the God is on your side? Can you turn me up just a little bit? I feel like I'm having a yell. I want you to hear this, though. God went through a lot so that you could walk in freedom. He went through a lot so you could begin to think right. Are you thinking right? Are you still out your head? You see, Jesus said in Revelation 118, he says, I am he that lives and was dead. And behold, I am alive forevermore. Amen. And by the way, I have a couple of keys. And he's like, in case anybody wanted to know, I've got the keys to hell and also have the keys to death, by the way. I have the keys now. There's no one else driving these things. I've got them. And so because of that, we can approach the battlefields of our minds with Psalm 27 on our lips. And we begin to say, the Lord is my light and my salvation, so why should I be afraid of this enemy? This enemy has no authority over me. Let me tell you something, man. He did not want you to hear this message tonight. But guess what happened? You did anyway. You heard it anyway. (laughs) Guys, in the name of Jesus, First John 5, 4-5 says this, and I declare this over your life. Stand up. Just stand to your feet, and I'm going to declare this over your life. The truth is, is if you belong to Jesus, you belong to God, my dear children. You have already won your fight with these false prophets because the spirit who lives in you is greater than the spirit that lives in the world. So for every child of God, guess what he does? Every child of God defeats this evil world by trusting Christ to give the victory. And the ones who win this battle against the world are the ones who believe that Jesus is the Son of God. Do you believe that Jesus is the Son of God tonight? Because if you do, the victory is already yours on that battlefield. You have nothing to fear. The only thing that you gotta do now is begin to counter the lies that you have allowed the enemy to put back into your life and realize your addictions are not addictions. Sin has no power over you to call the shots. You are free, you've been set free, and you are loved by God. That's it. I told you it's gonna be good at the end. But you can't talk about the cure until you talk about the illness, right? But don't, don't mistake your enemy, though. Don't walk out of here cocky. Walk out of here aware. Because you can be rest assured before the night, before your head hits the pillow, you're going to have these thoughts try to come back into your life. But tonight is the night that you understand that you already have the victory. I mean, what would your life look like? Think about what your life would look like if you chose to finally fight as if your battles were already won. Devil's a liar, man. But in those days where you get a little bit weak, because there's a strong pull, man. We that that bondage, that slavery thinking that so many of us struggle with, that pull is strong. And sometimes you go back to those things that you know, you're like, ah, but I still want to do those things. And David, I fell. I must, I must be no, 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 no. Guess what you can do? You see, not only did Jesus do all these things for you, but he now has become your high priest. And I'm going to close with this. You see, this high priest of ours, look at what it says in Hebrews 4.15, put it up. The high priest of ours, Jesus, he understands your weaknesses. Jesus faced all of the same testings and temptations that we do, yet he did not sin. So when you get weak and you begin to feel like, oh man, I don't know if I can do this. He says, listen, come boldly to the throne of our gracious God. You don't run from the throne, you go to God and there you will receive His mercy and you will find grace to help you when you need it the most. When do we need it the most is when we're either about to blow it or we already have blown it. And you know what he's going to do? He's going to remind you of this sermon. And I shared this with a student earlier who was struggling with an issue in their life where they felt kind of defeated. And it's not in the Bible, but I sure wish it was, because it preaches really well. But an African proverb says, if you fall, don't look where you fell. Look where you slipped. What made you slip? Identify that lie that you believed. Once again, it's not about your behavior, it's your thinking. Where did you think wrong? Address it, make it captive, submit it, and make it obey God. Get back up, keep moving. Repeat if necessary. So, Father, in the name of Jesus, I thank you for tonight. Lord, I have shared your word faithfully with as much honesty in my heart as I can. So now I'm asking your Holy Spirit to do what only you can do. If there's a student in here who doesn't know about Jesus, or you didn't know that this is how Jesus was and is, and you don't think you know him, I want to introduce him to you. So tonight, I want to talk to a lot of you students and hang out with you. But if you want to have a relationship with Jesus so that you too can be set free, I want to pray with you. And I'm going to be standing up here, and I want to lead you to Christ. For the rest of you, identify the lies and walk in freedom. Let's worship.